Praise God. It's great to be back. Hallelujah. Um, before I get into this, <clears throat> obviously I went to the hospital room for a day and a half there, a while back, emergency. And then I had a little break and then went, went back. But in between the break, I went, I went again. I didn't tell anybody about it. Uh, so I went to the hospital first time. You know, what happened, like a week later, <clears throat> uh, I cut my finger. <clears throat> and I'd go back to emergency. You know, I use this as an opening illustration. Um, so I cut my finger. <clears throat> I just threw out the trash. That's all I did. I literally threw out the trash, and I'm walking back, and I see all this blood on the floor. And I said, I said, what's going on? I looked at my finger, and you can't tell. Now it's been stitched up, but it's cut pretty deep. I, I didn't almost cut it off, but it was deep. And I'm walking inside, and I looked at it. I said, oh, man, that looks, pretty, that looks bad. And I'm looking at it, and I thought, oh, and the first thing I thought was, I don't want to tell Carmen this. <laughs> so, I, so I'm walking in the kitchen, and I saw some super glue. I'm just being honest. I, look, I saw the super glue and I said, I grabbed that super glue. I just shoot some in there and push it. And I can do that. Then I thought, that would be really stupid. <laughs> so I said, Carmen, um, I cut my finger. She goes, let me see it. She goes, oh my God. She goes, Carrie, I got to take you to emergency. You got to get that sewed up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like a little kid. <laughs> okay. So I went back to emergency. I got it sewn, sewn up. And I asked the doctor, I said, just so I know for the future, if I get cut again, is, can't you use super glue to, for these, these, these cuts? He said, regular super glue? I said, yeah, I can't, I've heard you, you guys do that. He said, we don't use super glue. There's a glue we use, but it's not super glue. He said, no, if you get cut like this again, you come to the hospital. You come to the emergency, and we sew you up. I said, okay. I said all that to say this. <clears throat> you know, in our life, we're going to read a story about a man Bethesda again called one question one answer part two but we want healing we want to be whole but there's a way it, that it needs to happen when I thought in my mind just for a few seconds I really thought the thought I mean I really was thinking I'll shoot some super glue I'm good to go but I thought that's stupid and I just want to bother Carmen again and go back to emergency no one likes going to emergency stay there forever anyway but there's a way to do it. I think the better way was not what I wanted to do immediately. The better way was I go and get help from the right person, the right way, the right time, and do everything I didn't want to do. You and I, with God, our life and our problems, we have them, and we want to do exactly what I did. We want to superglue our problems. We want to fix them real quick and get them done. We don't have to do. We don't have to deal with. I don't want to go to emergency. I don't want to. Do. And sometimes God comes to us like this man. God comes to this man. And he's going to ask this man, do you want to be made whole or do you want to be made well? He's going to ask this man a question because we all want wholeness. You would think we want wholeness, but we want it our way. More often than not, we want God to move the way we want him to move, when we want him to move, and how we want him to move. We have a hard time with God saying, no, I'm not doing it that way. I'm going to do it this way. In this story, there's a couple, just a couple points tonight. I know I always say that, but it really is going to be a couple points. And I want you to think about some of the things I'm going to say and really think about it because some of the things I'm going to say you probably never thought of before about this man and about this story. He's at the pool of Bethesda. Most of you know the story. He's been there for 38 years. We know he's lame. We know he can't get up. We know he can't do anything. We don't know how old he is. He's been there for 38 years. He's probably a little bit older. He's sitting at the pool, and all at the pool, everyone at church that day, everyone there is disabled. Everyone there can't do it. They're all sick. They're waiting for a miracle. 
That's why they all came. The Pool of Bethesda, when I originally started the series, it's called the House of Mercy. And I said the church, if there's any place people can find mercy, it ought to be church. And just like everyone's sick, everyone in here tonight, we're all sick. And we're all, we, we, we all have needs, every one of us. But there they are. They're, they're there. And this one man Jesus talks to. There's no record that he talks to anyone else. Most believe this is his fourth time going to the pool of Bethesda. And we all ask, would ask the question, why doesn't he talk to other people? Why doesn't he heal other people? There's no record of healing anyone else that day or there at all. But he heals one man. So I'm going to talk about this one man, and he heals him one way, but he asks one question. A question, I call it one question, one answer. The question is one thing, but how you answer it reveals everything about you. How you answer the question, when God speaks to us, it tells us everything about us. When you listen to this man, Jesus is going to ask this man, do you want to be whole? The man doesn't even answer the question. He goes to something else. He goes to people. He goes to a certain way. He goes to how it's always been. He goes to the past. And let's read it. John chapter 5. Stay with me and just really try to listen because a couple, I'm only going to make really a couple points. But I think they need to be made. made and I think we can learn something from it. John chapter 5, list verse 3. The Bible says, Under these porches lay a large number of sick people who were blind and lame and paralyzed used to lie. One man that had been sick for 30 years was lying there. Jesus saw the man lying there and knew. When the word is used, when he saw him lying there, it's the, it has the idea of, I experienced your pain. We think God doesn't know how we feel. We think God's unaware. He's a, he's a father. He's a God. He's detached from us. He didn't see me crying. He didn't see my pain. He don't see my brokenness. He don't see how I'm helpless. He don't see it. Jesus, the Bible, he knew exactly. I know your pain. I know all about your pain. He's our Savior. You're always tempted like us without sin. He's a man that can be moved. He understands human weakness. Trust me, there's not an emotion you've ever faced that he hasn't felt. Maybe other people don't understand you. I'll give you that much. But I'll tell you one thing. Jesus understands you. And Jesus understands your pain. He understands your brokenness. He understands the questions you have in your heart about God and life and your family. Everything that troubles you troubles him. He, he cares about us. But the man don't know what I just said. You know what's crazy? You know it. He didn't. All he knows is this man comes up on him named Jesus, and he doesn't even know who it is, doesn't ask him for anything. And the Bible says Jesus asked this man. He knew how long he had been sick for a long time. Jesus asked the man a question. Would you like to be made whole? The sick man answered Jesus and said, sir, I don't have anyone to put me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get there, someone else steps in the pool ahead of me. Let me stop there. Let me pick up where I left off from two or three weeks ago. I forget when I preached the last message from this. But one of the things I said in the last message, I'll say again tonight briefly, is we know the first thing the man does is lay out some excuses. And I talked about excuses people make. The first thing he says, he, 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 really what he's doing, he's giving a reason why he doesn't have to do anything. But he says, he makes an excuse. He said, I don't, I don't have anybody. 
Because I would like to get healed, but he doesn't even say that. He said, I, when Jesus asked the question, all he does is go to the people card. He says, I, I would like to get help. I'd like to get healed, but I don't have no man to help me. And what he's really saying is he's giving other people are the reason I can't be whole. Other people are the reason why I can't get ahead in life. People don't treat me right. People don't give me a chance. People are always going in front of me. No one really cares about me. It's not my fault. And I talked about that. Yeah, that's really what's happening with this man. The man is laying out a reason why nothing is happening. He said, I, I want to get healed, but every time I want to get healed, somebody else, in other words, it's somebody else's fault. He lays out excuses. How many times in our life, if we're really honest, that we make other people, we make them the ones why we can't be ahead in life or whatever it might be. It's someone else's fault. We have a hard time saying, you know what, it's me. I shouldn't have done that. I did wrong. I no, it's someone else, someone else's fault. Someone else made me act that way. Someone else made me talk like that. Someone else, they got me mad. And he goes on and on. So here he is. <clears throat> He's in this place. And he gives a reason why nothing can happen. And the reason why nothing could happen is because no one's given him a break. You know, <clears throat> he really thinks that he's an exception. Yes, let me tell you, no one is the exception to the power of God. He's making an excuse for his life, and what he's really doing is making an exception for the power of God. In other words, you know what, I, I, you know, I believe that for the people, but you don't understand. My situation is different, so God can help me. I've heard people say that. I know God, pastor, God can heal marriages, but my marriage is different. You know, you're not married to my wife. Or you're not married to my husband. And people say things like this. They really do. You be amazed. People say, uh, you know, oh, I, I know that tithing is biblical. I know we should tithe, but you don't understand my circumstance. And they make an exception. They're the exception. There's always a reason why their life is different. And really what they're saying in, in, in a roundabout way is my life is different. And because my life is different, God really can't help me. The truth is God can, the power of God, you limit the power of God. You limit it. Listen, God wants to help us all. My situation is different, so I'm really beyond God's power. I'm really beyond God's help, and so that's what we think. The truth is, listen, no one can stop, nobody can stop the will of God for your life but you. And so the man lays out his excuses. But one thing I thought, and I've said this every single time I've talked about it, he said, when Jesus asked the man, do you want to be whole, the man should have started jumping. Oh, he can't jump up and down. He's paralyzed, right? <laughs> but the man should have started screaming at least yes. Can we all agree on that? But he doesn't even say yes. He said no so many times, you forgot how to say yes. But I thought if I was this guy... And this man comes up to me. Remember, the Bible says he doesn't know it's Jesus. And we can make the application to our own life. I believe this fully. That's why we're no different than this man. There are many times God comes to you and I, and we don't recognize it's the hand of God coming to you and I. Wanting to uh, call, uh, call, cause us to grow up, to change. But we don't see God in it, so we don't respond the right way. We don't see God. That circumstance that you were in, brother, God's hand was all over it. 
How can God's hand be all over? It's full of pain. And I mean, Pastor, come on. No, I see the hand of God in it. But you don't. But if, if someone came to you, if you were this man, think about it. This is how I think when I read. Do you want to be made whole or do you want to be healed? I think I would ask. Maybe I wouldn't. I, but I think I would ask, yes, but how? Wouldn't you, I don't know, what, what would you say? Do you want to be healed? I would think I would say, yeah, how could I get healed? I don't know who you are and how I can even happen. Yeah, of course, I, of course. But how can I get healed? But he doesn't say that. The reason he didn't say that is the reason why we don't say yes to God. We're so used to saying no to, to God. I think we can't say yes. We forgot how to say it. The, the bottom line was this man thought the only way to get well was the way he knew that you could get well. It's called a fixed mindset. A fixed mindset, and, I'm, and this is very simple the way I'm going to capsulize it, is it's not a growth mindset. A, a fixed mindset basically is you have a certain belief system and you believe that's it. In other words, this man, I know how to get healed and this is how you get healed. Any other way you're telling me to get healed, I don't have room for that. I know how. I know how to get healed. Well, yeah, that may be true. But if you know it, guy, you're not healed. You're so fixed in your mindset, you don't even see answers. Because you're fixed in one way of belief one way of thinking, and that's what he's doing. Ah, this is, if it's going to happen, it will happen this way. Why? Because that's how, I, that's how I know. That's what I know. And if I know it's going to happen this way, guess what? It's going to happen this way. No, you're wrong. God is bigger than your fixed mindset. God is bigger than you in your head. You get it. Oh, this is how it's going to come down. This is how it's going to happen. Because I know. You, you don't know nothing. Because he has a fixed mindset, Jesus offers another way, which is himself. But the guys don't even go there with Jesus. He doesn't say how or yes. None of that. His mind is fixed on the pool and people helping him get to the pool. That's all his mind's at. We get so fixed in our frustrations that we want them answered. And we only look at it one way. There's only one way this can work out. We're so wrong. There's so many ways God can help us. Can we agree? And standing in front of him, think about it, standing in front of him was miracles, was a miraculous. But the proud, they think they know everything. You're standing in front of God and you're telling God how, to, how I'm going to get healed. The proud, they know everything, don't they? I know what do you know? Well, I know. Well, how do you know you know? How do you know you know? Because I know. No, you're proud. You live long enough, you realize you don't know so much. In fact, I would say the longer you live, the more you realize how little you really know about life. People ask me, have asked me this many times. People in churches, some of the other pastors. You've been married, you know, 35, 40 years. Now it's longer than that. This is back years ago. How, long, how, do you, how do you stay married for 40 years or 30 years? And I say, they expect me to give these all these, to fill, fill, just fill me and tell me how do you do this. And I say, I don't know. Just one day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's it. 
But I think we have to give room. We, we, we better make some room for God to move in our life. Because the truth is, because of Jesus, God has a great life for all of us. God has a wonderful life for all of us. And I think sometimes we have to break free. I think we get it in our head that it won't work for me. It, it can't work for me. Uh, everyone else gets blessed. Everyone else gets helped. Everyone else gets the good job. Everyone else gets on their feet. It's not going to work for me. They got, the enemy's got too much headspace. He's got too much real estate in your mind. It won't work. And you believe lies. You need to believe the truth about God and who God is and who you are in God. So here he is. Think about it. He believes with excuses. Two, he trusts in the wrong things with faith. He trusts in the wrong things with faith. He believed in his story. If I can get a man to get me to the pool, I'll, I'll be healed. He believes in something, but he believes wrongly. He has faith in the wrong thing. You got faith. The only problem, you got it in the wrong place, bro. People get a good job, and they put all their faith in their job. I thank God for faith. But listen, your job comes and goes. You got faith, but in the wrong place, in the wrong things. So Jesus comes to this man, and I said it before. I'll say it again tonight. He performs what I call the first intervention. The word intervention means the action of becoming intentionally involved in someone's life in a difficult situation in order to improve it or prevent it. From getting worse. How I many know that's what God did for you and I when we got saved? It was an intervention from heaven to you and I. We were lost. God intervened in our life because it was getting worse. Could we all agree on that? He sees this man, so he goes to this man. He asks, he talks to the man. The man said, When the water is stirred, I don't have anybody to put me in the pool. By the time I get there, everyone else is already in the pool. So he says, I don't have anyone to help him. So he has no family. I've talked about that before. He has no friends to put him in the pool. There is no record of anyone caring for this man. Well, obviously he had family because he was born. He, is, you know, he had parents. We don't know if he had brothers. We don't know none of that. But there's probably a family or somebody that knew him. But some believe, and I think this happens to people. You know, you care for people. But somewhere along the line, you get tired of caring for people. Especially when they really don't want help. And one of the pastor's frustrations in people's lives is, is you want it more than they want it. He said, man, bro, if you just tweak your life a little bit, you make this change, it would be so much better if you would only believe the truth about God and who God is and, and you listen to the preacher, listen to the word of God coming to your life. If you make these small changes, your life would be so much better, but they don't believe it. There are people, they, it's called compassion fatigue. They say people help people that are servers and serving and helping and loving too often they come to a place called compassion fatigue and what it is they just get tired of helping it's a little different because we're referring to services and emergency workers but in the church or work with people we make the transition sometimes you want to help people and you want to help the dawns on you they don't want it and you want it more than them it doesn't work that way 
But maybe the reason why Jesus came to this man, this is, to me, it makes perfect sense, because he had no one, because no one cared about him, because he was all alone. He absolutely was stuck in life. There he is. He has no one. And that makes sense to me, because it's those people like that, you and I, that's who Jesus comes to. So maybe that's why Jesus picks this man out and says, I know you have no, you don't have a friend, you don't have a fat, you have no one helping you. I'm the God who helps those who have no one. I love the fact that God believed in you before you believed in you. I love, I love the fact that when we get saved, you realize, you know what, God loved me before I even knew God loved me. I, I like that God believes in me when I don't believe in myself. So he comes to him for a re. He comes to this man, I think, because of that. He has no one. And so that might be the real reason why Jesus comes to this man. But then I've thought about something else. Man, that clock is a liar. You tell me that, and if I go long, you'd be like, he went too long. Pastor was okay, but he went too long. You told me to go long. But here's something else that I, I thought of, and I didn't read this in any commentators. They don't say this, but and this is sad because this was happening today in America and some other industrialized nations. I'll talk more about it Sunday morning when I preach broken hallelujahs. We've lost the sense of community. And that's what's killing America, they say. In the corporate world, that's all across, what's killing America is everyone's doing their own thing. We've lost a sense of community. We've lost a sense of family. And people that have a sense of family are usually foreigners. People from overseas that come from different nations, they come, their family is everything to them. And if their family gets saved, it's like, a, it's like a bond on top of a bond. And a lot of people, they, there's no, there's, we've losing, we're losing family. They will, they will, marriages fall by the wayside like it's no big deal. It is a big deal. Parents, their kids, the kids with the parents, there's like no, there's no uh, gratefulness sometimes. There's no, it's like, what? It's like everyone's in their own world, doing their own thing, their own way. So here's what I mean in this story. If everyone there is disabled to some degree, and they all were, and it, the story evolves around one man wanting to get healed. What about they look around and say, hey, man, you're sick. What's wrong with you? I can't walk. What's wrong with him? He can't see. He can't see. He's talking to him. He can hear, but he can't see. What's the, oh, and you look around. Everyone there that day, everyone there is disabled. What about someone saying, listen, hey, I got an idea, guys. What's that? He's in the church, okay? He stands up and says, I got an idea. It'll work like this. This is Elliot. Is that how to do it? Or, or, or anybody. Anyway, here's my idea. We're all waiting to get healed. Whoever gets in the water first gets healed. Why don't we all hold hands? And when we, when we all watch the water together. More pair of eyes, the better. And when the water's troubled, let's all jump in together at the same time. And we'll all get healed. And we'll all be blessed. That's a sense of community. It's not about me getting my blessing and holding on to my blessing. The kingdom of God is about the opposite. It's about me being blessed so I can bless others. And the question you need to ask, when's the last time you, you thought like this? How can I be a blessing to someone else? When's the last time you asked somebody, how can I bless you? 
Oh, we don't think like, we think like, how can I get mine? What's in it for me? It's all about me, what I want to do. No, it's about the family. It's about the community. And I'll say this in light of Christianity. You will never experience God like you would when you're in the family of God, unless you're in the family of God. All by yourself, it doesn't work that way. Trust me. It's a different revelation to God, and there's scripture to back it up. You want to meet God, lock yourself into a church and be committed. You'll see God like you've never seen him before. You stay individual and you just do your thing, hit and miss, come and go. Do you. you will never see Christ the way he wants to reveal himself to you unless you do what you ought to do. Because in your mind, all you want is help to get to the pool. Okay, let's move on. I got a couple more minutes. Let me move to something here. When this man answers Jesus, but I really want us to think about this. He answers Jesus based on past experiences of other people. He's never been healed. He's heard about people being healed. So when Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? He said, I need someone to get me into the pool. He's answering his future life based on the past. Listen to me. God is bigger than your past. All he does is reach back to the past, what happened in the past, and that's how his future is going to be. This is what happened then. This is how it's going to happen tomorrow. It happened that way then. This is how it's going to happen tomorrow. God is bigger than your past. He lays out the, this is how, if I'm going to get healed, this is how it's going to get healed. How do you know that? Je- Jesus has the power, we know this, to say to someone, rise and walk, and that boy will rise and walk. Listen, you can't live your Christian life in the past. God's bigger than your past, and your past may be broken, your past may be hard, your past may be a lot of kinds of things, but God's bigger than your past. And you got to believe your future is better than your past. Not only is it better than your past, it's something you can personally experience. He's talking about other people's experiences. You need to have a personal experience with Christ yourself. But let me end on this point. And I'm going to drill it and I'm going to stop here because I want to make it a point that's not preached very long. But he calls attention, he calls attention to this man, but the man is actually trusting, because the man is actually trusting in false trust and false idols. He has false rest, false trust, false saviors, false hopes, goes on and on and on, and he no different than you and I. I'll explain. This man has a plan, but his plan didn't involve God. It involved other people. And of all the pool. If I can just get other people to help me get to the pool, I'm going to be fine. He had a plan. He had a purpose. He had it all laid out. The only problem is his plan didn't involve God. You know, we can make plans, and Christians do it. They make these plans. I realize one thing about what happened to me. You make all the plans you want, and your life can change in a heartbeat. 
for no reason. Doctors told me there's no medical reason what happened to you should have ever happened to you. And so we make these plans. This is how it's going to go. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to move here. I'm going to go there. I'm going to do this. And God said, oh, really? you got great plans. Where am I at in your plans? Am I involved? I didn't see. Where am I at? Oh, you're not involved in my plans. I just asked you to get me to the pool. I'll get to that in a minute. Some good preaching, by the way. I didn't, I'm not, no, I'm not involved in my plans. Oh, okay. But Jesus comes to this man. He does not ask Jesus for anything to do. He doesn't know who Jesus is. He's too wrapped up in his own scheme on how to be healed. But I love the fact that Jesus still comes to him, right? But he points out something. He comes to wake this man up. I call it a good wake or he called it a good woke. He's basically, he's coming to this man, and he wants to wake him up in his wheel. When he asks him the question, do you want to be healed? There's a reason why Jesus asked the question. And the word means be willing or show some effort. Are you willing? Do you, have you lost the wheel to really change? Have you lost the wheel to be healed? And I believe that somewhere, either he doesn't want to be healed, or he had lost the wheel in his heart to believe that I can be changed. Sometimes we all begin to lose hope at times. No, not that we're evil. We just lose hope. You know, I tried, I tried, and I guess it's not, not in the cards for me. Sometimes we can lose hope. And Jesus comes to push that, you know what? You can. There's still hope, and God can help you still, but your will is going to have to get involved. I'm not going to do nothing for you. When Jesus heals the man, he tells him to rise. Jesus does not say, be healed. He tells him to rise. In other words, there's something you're going to have to do. It's not only excuses, there's effort involved, but that's not my point here. But here's what I want to point out. When Jesus comes to this man, when he asks him if he wants to be healed, he wants to wake this man up to desire. And all he does, the man admits, he don't realize what he's admitting to, he admits to false trust. He understands that what he trusts in are false. He don't say it like this because he says this, I am helpless. And what I'm doing is not working. So he's saying, you know what? I, I got a plan, but it ain't working. I, I know exactly what I'm going to do, but it ain't working. If I could just get to the pool, uh, things would work. He knows exactly what should take place. He knows how it should take place, but it hasn't taken place. And he tells Jesus that. And let me say this about something. God's grace when you and I, you and I, you know what? We may have all things all figured out. We may not recognize Jesus. We may not have none of the things we should have, but thank God Christ still comes to us even when we're so mixed up. Even when we have false trust, false hopes, and false saviors. Listen carefully. He says to this man, and really think about it. The man basically admits that it's not working. He don't, he can't, I'm helpless. It's not working. What I come up with, it's not really working. I haven't been able to get any better. And basically he's saying, I'm clueless on how to do it. And Jesus basically says, that's all I need. I need you to recognize 
The path you've chosen isn't working. Every one of us, when we first come to the faith, you know what, I'll stay there. I'll stop there. Me with something else. I'll come back to the faith part next week. Me go back to false trust. Success is finding God's will and following it all your life. Can we agree? Okay, listen to this. I'm almost done here. Jesus asked the question. He doesn't come to Jesus. He doesn't ask Jesus for anything. Jesus asked him for something. He doesn't know who Jesus is. Jesus knows who he is. He's not after Jesus in any way, but Jesus still comes to him. I call that amazing grace. And he says to Jesus, I don't have anyone to put me into the pool. And I want you to listen very carefully about what I want to say. When Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? He's, basically what he's saying is, I would love to have someone help me get into the water so I can get well. Listen carefully. And it's almost hidden. Unless you really pay attention and catch what I'm going to say, you miss it. Because what he's saying is I would love to have your help, Jesus. God, if you will help me get to where I want to go, I'm in. I want you. I don't want you. I want you to help me get to where I want to go. Why not say I want you? We do the same thing. God, I'm happy. I'd love to partner with you. If you can just get me into the water, save me, I'm good. Just help me get to my answer, I'm, I'm good. Just help me get to whatever it might be, I'm good. I want you to help me get what I want. And whatever I want, that's a false trust. Another way we would say it is like this. <clears throat> If you can help me find Mr. Right, you can fill in the blank. The word pool, you can put anything there. You help me find my Mr. Right. You help me find my Mr. The man I've always wanted. You help me find the, the woman I'm always You help me find. You give me that good job that I've always wanted. You give me that promotion I've always wanted. I would love for you to help me, Jesus, get to my pool. I'd love to partner with God if he can just get me what I want. And this is why so many Christians don't make it the long haul. Because I understand when we first start out, Jesus is everything. We're kinda, we don't know anything. We're needy. But we, at least we know we're needy. But as time goes on, we don't think we're so needy. We think we know better. But I'll save it for next week. But it's, it's so sad because God wants to do so much. But somehow we think, you know, and this is what happens to people. They give their life to Jesus, and they honestly think, okay, now I got Jesus. Now I can get what I want. But it's, like, it's almost like they are. They're using Jesus to get what they want. And you know what? If you've ever worked with people, have you ever had someone like you, and they really like being around you, and later on you find out they didn't really like it, they're just using you? Has it ever happened to you? It happened to you in life. You say, man, they, they, they just outright use me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How do think God feels? God, you know, Jesus, you help me get my job promotion. You help me get my, you help me give me what I want. And I'd love for you to partner with me to give me what I want. What if I don't want to take you to the pool? 
Well, I've been waiting 38 years for the pool. What are you talking about not taking me to the pool? Understand, I'm 38 years, boy. I'm at the pool. And we get so stuck. These things, and you can fill in the blank. Let me end with the scripture here. Help me get my career on track. Help me feel better about myself. Help me fill in the blank. Help me get my act together. Help me, whatever that is, you, you can fill it in. Help me get this marriage together. Help, that's all fine to some degree, but that becomes everything and really what we're saying, if you can do this, that's my salvation, that's my joy, that's my rest, that's my peace, that's my place of hope. This, whatever that this is, and for this man it was the pool. I don't know what yours is. You give me that, and I'm good. And so when Jesus don't put you in the pool, you get mad at him and leave the church. Well, I thought he's going to put me in the pool. He didn't put me nowhere. What, what did he do? Well, he didn't do nothing. I, I, all I thought, hold on. What about if you said this? You know what? I don't need the pool. I have you. I don't need significance. I have Jesus. I don't need a perfect husband or wife. There are none anyway. I have Jesus. I'm good. I don't need the, yeah, I like a promotion, but that promotion ain't my, it's not my God. Yeah, I like to have more money, Lord, but money's not my God. You know, I like the Lord to make me a little more successful. That's great, but success is not my God. I'm cool with you, Jesus. I don't need the pool. I don't even need to touch the water. You know why? Because you're my joy. These other things, they come and they go. You're my joy, man. This is what David said, and I close with the scripture. Psalms 43, David says, send out your light and truth. Let them guide me. Let them lead me to your holy mountain, to the place where you live. There I will go to the altar of my God, the source of all my joy. You and I have Jesus. And yet... We get stuck with all these false trusts, false idols. If I can just have that, Jesus came into my life, and he's going to help me get that. You're missing the whole point. It's about him coming into your life, so you don't need all that. Bow your heads. Every head bowed, every eye closed tonight. excuses challenge you to examine our beliefs examine the things we trust in that are false and I'm going to leave us all with this are you willing to let him be your answer not your false gods not your false trust not your false hopes whatever you're Jesus help me get to the pool that's what so many people do and it never happens and so they get mad at God he never put me in the pool but he gave you himself but I never got what I wanted 
I thought he would help me get what I wanted. And he don't. But you have him. The psalmist says, you are my joy. It wasn't something else. It wasn't someone else. It wasn't anything else. It was you, God, are my joy. You and you alone. 